Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the showman, Mr. Frankie Shinta. One of the very best acts in all of Las Vegas as Frankie Shinta is with us today. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to see this for a while because of this pandemic and so forth. But Frankie, first of all, that must drive you crazy. And secondly, I understand you've been doing some virtual shows. What have you been up to? You know, it's I, I never thought in my lifetime, I'm sure a lot of entertainers are like me, that we couldn't perform. You know, that it's just like, no, you can't perform. It's been really unbelievable. And about about a year ago, well, always in January or February, I take it off. You know, you know Vegas kind of calms down after the holidays. Everybody spent their money on uh, Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah. And I, I usually go back to work in March. Well... March didn't happen. Then we thought, ah, this will be gone by a couple months. It sounds dangerous, but it should be gone. Yep. It didn't go away. As we all know now, it's been a year. So about 10 months ago, my kids were telling me, you know, Dad, there's a lot of people doing these live performances on Facebook. You should do it. And I literally said, who the hell's going to want to watch me? <laughs> Honest to God, I said, who's going to want to watch? Dad, look, you got fans all over the country. Just do it. We did it. And I'll tell you, almost immediately, we started to get 5,000, 10,000, 18,000 views a week. And it was, it was kind of fulfilling. And then after doing it for, I'd say, eight of the months or nine of the months, my kids go, Dad, you know, you should put up a Venmo or a PayPal, do something like that. And I said, no way. I said, no way. I do this because I've always performed my entire life since I was a little boy. I never did it for the money. I did it because I live to take that stage. I do. I can't wait, man. I mean, if you ever saw me before the show, you'd say, now there's a guy. Look at him. They're, it's like they want to hold me back. Hang on, you got three more minutes, two minutes. But I live to perform, and I live to touch people's hearts. I live to touch their funny bone and take them away from the world for a little while. So I started doing that in front of my piano with just a little amplifier and a microphone. And it started to grow and grow and grow. And then I had a friend, a dear friend, who says, you know, I got a soundboard and some speakers and you know, and then another guy goes, you know, you should be able to go directly into the iPhone. 
So you have direct sound instead of pointing speakers at an iPhone. And we went that route and we, we bought that. And then my kids asked, told me, you should ask people, uh, let's put up a little thing right on the top of the page that says, if you want to, you could throw in a donation. And you know what? It's turned out to be somewhat of a blessing for me because there are no showrooms open really anywhere in the country that are open to a normal audience. You know, I, I'm not going to play to an audience that's 25 feet away from me. It, it's just not me. If you've ever seen the show, our show is comedy. It's, 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 we touch the audience, you know what I mean? So anyway, this live thing not only has carried me through, helped a little bit with our, our bills and stuff, but it has carried me through emotionally because now my son is in there. He's producing the show. My, my daughter is in there. She's hysterical. Her and her husband are, are in the top 200 podcasts of, of married couples across the nation. They're hysterical. They have a, a live podcast that they do, and it's very funny, and it's, it's called Making It With The Mackins, and it's, you know, it's, it's, not rated, it's not rated PG, but it's very funny. It's about two parents with four kids and making it during this pandemic. And, you know, she had two kids and she had twins. And my daughter's a typical Italian, Sicilian little girl who's like, you know, this is crazy, stuck in the house with four kids and I need a drink and it's just funny. So she is on the show with me as well. And she has turned out to be like an intricate part of the live show. You know, I'm thinking about it. I've seen you in the family up there many times, and one of the things is, yeah, it's very interactive, and as I thought about it, yeah, you'd have a hard time in one of these uh, showrooms where there's a person sitting here and then sitting over way over on the side. It just wouldn't work to what you like to do. No, it just wouldn't feel right. I would do it, but how am I going to pay a nine-piece band? You know, I, the casino's got to make money, too. It's right now I'm doing the right thing and my eyes are set. I have a, a team of investors and I am looking to open my own place probably within the year. My own, well, we have a couple of different options that I'm working on, but I want to open a place where I could be and I could entertain if I so choose to. Yeah, and you're talking um, in Vegas, right? I mean, you I can't yes, imagine sir. you being anywhere else. Yeah, I would do it here in Vegas. You know, your background is kind of interesting. I mean, you grew up in Buffalo. Are you excited about the Bills right now? Oh, man. You know, the thing that I love about it so much is Buffalo kind of is the story of America right now. You know, it's a city that's blue collar. It's kind of been down and out, although it's a great city. I love my hometown, man, I really do. And it'll always be, you know, back home to me. And for Buffalo to, after all these years, I mean, I lived there in the glory days of the Jim Kelly days when the Bills went to four Super Bowls, the anguish that we all had when they lost. And now just to get there, to get to where we are right now, and this kid, Josh Allen, is so humble. In one of his interviews, he said, 
you know, when I play the game, no matter where I am or how big the game is, I, I look at the game kind of like I looked at the games when I was a kid. I, I like my backyard playing with my friends and family. And I thought that was so humble and so beautiful that he said that. And this kid has turned out to be, you know, a diamond in the rough. Everybody said, hey, he's not accurate. He's not going to. But man, oh, man, he was determined and he did it. And he's got us. He's got us in the playoffs and to the AFC championship game. Now, I've got to ask you, obviously, that you always go back to your hometown team, your childhood. You keep that the rest of your life. But do the Raiders have a special place? Because Vegas has become such an important part of your life, and and for that matter, the hockey Golden Knights. The Golden Knights, let me tell you something about them. Do you remember after October 1, nobody really knew what hockey was in Vegas. A lot of people didn't care at the time. You know, because hockey was kind of like the, the stepchild of sports. And when those kids went out to the hospitals and they went out and helped raise money and they went around this whole city from their hearts that nobody, imagine them walking in and going, hi, I'm, you know, uh, I'm flurry from the Golden Knights. And they're going, oh, yeah, that's great. Now, if he walks into some place, people go crazy. But then nobody knew them, but they didn't care. They went from their hearts, not from the name on their jerseys. And they went around this town. I fell in love with those guys. I've been to many, many games. I love the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'll tell you what, they started playing again just recently, and they looked like they haven't missed a day. No, they're looking pretty good right now. I have to agree with you. Uh, they it's really early, are. But they're looking good. Yeah, it's early. I mean, but, you know, God bless them. They are just playing. They always play with fire. You know what I mean? They're always playing like like it's the most important game of their series. And I love that about them. There's never, they're never they never lay back. The Golden Knights are great for that. So I am definitely a Golden Knights fan. The Raiders... Um, I, I, I like the Raiders. I'm, I've never been a fan, but now that they're here, you know, what am I going to say? No, I know what you're saying. We grow up with our teams and the NFL is particularly one of those, uh, leagues where you got teams you like and you got teams you hate and it's kind of hard, but you want to adopt them at least on, on a, you know, off year for the bills maybe, or something of that nature. It might be more interesting for you. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's definitely been interesting. And what's great about the Buffalo Bills going where they are, it's uplifting for the city of Buffalo, New York. And that's what I love. It really is. Because what else do they got? They got chicken wings. Very cold (laughs) weather. I know that's for sure. Very cold weather. Beautiful people. I mean, really, it is a great place to be from. And it sounds like a, a... But it really is. People... I mean, I remember it would be 20 below zero. And if your car broke down, somebody would pull over, get out of their car, and help you. Sometimes more than one person. And that's what Buffalo is. It's a city of good neighbors. But I'll tell you what, nothing like waking up in the morning and seeing a blue sky and sunshine every day.
family is a big part of your life. I mean, you look at your history, uh, your family's been close. You guys performed together. You had a couple of very tough times. Uh, you talk about 2017. I remember uh, when we lost uh, Joey. It was uh, The city was entirely crushed. It, family is important, and it seems like it stretches over with you, not only to the immediate family who loves performing and so forth, Vegas and the visitors that come and want to see you, and there's regular visitors that come and see you every time they go out, they've kind of become your family too, haven't they? It's amazing. You know, I think I've been blessed with a, I don't know, I don't know how to phrase it, but you know, when you, when you reach out to people and you touch them emotionally, whether it's with a laugh or a tear or a cheer, whatever it is, People never forget that. And we have been blessed right from the beginning to touch people in that way. I think because nothing in our show is contrived. We're as real as you can get. And I say things sometimes that almost get me in trouble. But after being in the business so long, I'm pretty good at it. But I speak my mind. I don't talk politics on stage. I don't think any entertainer should on stage or, or on in, in multimedia, mm-hmm. I really think entertainers should just stay away from that. My job is to take people away from that. And that's what we've done. And we've done it our entire lives. I continue to do it. And yes, Vegas and the people here have become like extended family. They're very loyal. No matter where I perform, they show up and they just love my God, this show is better than anyone I've ever seen. And that really makes you feel so good. Some of the things you're going to see is like, for example, impressions. You love doing that. And uh, some of them you do are amazing. You know, Tom Jones, Dean Martin. And uh, is it particularly uh, fun for you because you're able to sing at the same time while you're doing these great impressions of these powerful celebrities? Well, you know, to bring back their memory to an audience, Like, if I could bring back, see, I don't consider myself an impression. I'm more of a caricaturist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When I do these, when you're in an audience and you see me do a Tom Jones or a Dean Martin or a Ray Charles, you're going to feel that person. You're going to feel, you're going to feel them. It's more of a feeling than what it looks like or sounds like. Not that it doesn't but it's a feeling and I always idolize these people. And when you could bring that many different voices to an audience, plus do the silly things that I do on stage, you know, it, it's quite a blessing and it is fun. It is right. I mean, yeah. even though like when I was doing George Burns in the show, some kids had no idea who the heck George Burns was, but they laughed and they loved him, and they would go, Oh, that old man thing you did was great. The show is no longer called The Shintas. It's called The Showman, and it features me because I'm the only Shinta left in the show now. My musical director, and we're working on concerts right now with uh, 32 piece orchestras and up to a full symphony orchestra. And, of course, my big band that I always use. So as soon as we're ready to go, I mean... We're leaning forward in the foxhole. As soon as we get the okay anywhere in the United States, we're going to either start touring or start performing back here. 
and I'm just waiting for that day, man. Well, so and I don't we. know when it's going to be. Yeah, I know. No, I, I mean, know it. I, I know it. And it's people, they plan some trips around this and so forth. And we, we all can't wait to get out and do it again. And especially you, because if you know a little bit about your history, like we said, you not only do impressions, you play every musical instrument, it seems. You play the self-taught, I understand, piano, guitar, banjo. I guess it's just something you were born to entertain, right, from the earliest days. My grandfather had 27 grandchildren, and out of them, he left my brother Joey and me his his guitars and a mandolin. And I learned to play by ear. I had some rudimentary guitar lessons just so I knew, you know, where the chords went and stuff. But everything I've done was by ear, and I've been blessed with that, man. I, I just love And my grandpa used to tell my mother in broken English, he used to say, uh, I was three or four or five, and my grandpa Shinta used to say, Maddie, he used to tell my mother, Mary, he goes, Maddie, this boy is going to be a musician, I promise you. Remember I said it. And because I used to sit on his lap, and I didn't know how to play chords, but I would strum the, I would strum the chords while he played them down on the neck of the guitar. And he knew I had it then. And by the age of six, when he passed away, I was already on local TV at the age of seven with the guitar. And then national TV by the age of 10, and I never looked back. That's all I've ever done my entire life was entertain. Yeah, you, you just are addicted to the sound of applause, right? I mean, that's part of it. You know, you got to, because you got to look doing It is, man. It is. It's, it's a medicine. It's a drug it's all of that. It's it's when you hear that applause and the laughs. It's just even before the curtain goes up, and you hear the rumble in the audience, knowing that they're there to see you. It's just there's no feeling like that on on the on this planet. You know, you mentioned before about a national audience, and it's funny you say that because I wanted to bring up something. I remember you telling me that you were on the Merv Griffin show as like was ten or eleven. What is that like when you're a kid like that? I mean, you've watched Merv probably with, you've seen that on, on the TV with your family and so forth, and all of a sudden you're there. <laughs> How do you get past even the nerves of that at that age? You know what? I was never nervous in my life. I was always anxious. I couldn't wait. I, I couldn't wait to get out there and do it. It was incredible. And what was great was, you know, this was New York City at the time. And New York at that time, you know, when you were a little kid coming from upstate New York with a banjo, the big band that he had, he had a big, pretty big, uh, I think, uh, 13 or 14 piece band. And they, Merv and the guys go, well, just the rhythm section is going to back you up because they, you don't have any charts. I didn't have charts. I didn't know what the hell charts were, you know? <laughs> right. So... Little by little, once I started playing the banjo and singing, at the rehearsal, the orchestra, one instrument by the next, by the next, started playing. They, found, they started finding their place. And, you know, like, California, here I come. And by the middle of the medley that I did, the whole orchestra was playing. As a little boy only playing, you know, back home in Buffalo, 
with a three-piece band or an accordion player, you know, an Italian guy who didn't know what the hell he was doing other than Italian music. You, it was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a star. <laughs> well, that was short-lived because once I got back to Buffalo, it was nice. I was in the paper. I was in the news. and But then you grow up, and there's, then you're a teenager. You're not that cute little boy anymore. And then I started had to rely on music, like making real music. And that's when I picked up the guitar and the piano, and I had bands and stuff. And my brother Joe and I got together by accident when I, I was 19 years old for Paul McGuire, who was uh, a color commentator. Yeah. The football guy. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. He was a Buffalo bill. He had a little, he was a kicker for the bills and retired. And he had a place called McGuire's arches, you know, like the kicking arches. And uh, he goes, I need a piano player, piano bar player. Now my brother had his van packed to move to Florida because the band he just left stayed in Hawaii. And I was in that band for only about three months. But they wanted to live in Hawaii. I'm a Sicilian from upstate New York. My whole family's back there. I'm not going to live in Hawaii, no matter how nice it is. I love my family more than anything, you know? Right. So we moved back to Buffalo. We had nothing, two nickels and a dead fly in our pocket. Joe had his van packed. The phone rings. And I'm going, yes, sir, yes. I, I don't work alone, Mr. McGuire. I work with my brother. Now my brother's flailing his arms across the table at me. No, no, we'll audition. Yep. Now my father grabs my brother Joe's arm and tells him, shh, like, just sit there. <laughs> and when my father did that, you sat there and shut up. <laughs> uh, my dad was a very soft-spoken man, but when he, when he told you to be quiet, you were quiet. And my brother and I argued a little bit. We went down in the basement for the next two or three days and rehearsed in my dad's garage with equipment that we put together, literally put together with soldering irons and stuff and made it work. And we auditioned, got the job, $200 a piece a week. And that was the beginning of the Shintas right there. That's what started the whole damn thing. Chrissy came in on weekends because she was too young to play all week or sing all week, she'd come in with mom and dad. And the rest is history, man. Well, you talk about McGuire's. I know that one of your plans and one of your projects is to build a gaming bar with all that great Sicilian food. And when I saw that, I thought, all right, so what are you going to have there? Because I know that food. I My best friends were Sicilian. I'm Italian as well. Uh, there's nothing like the smell of going into a place where they know how to cook that <laughs> stuff, you know? <laughs> I want to build a gaming place up here in Summerlin. I want to do it like right off the 215. So even my friends that visit from all over the country, from Michigan, Ohio, Chicago, New York, Florida, when they come to Vegas, it's only a 10-minute Uber ride for them, really, literally, from the Strip. I want to, I want to have great, I've gathered recipes from all over the country, and recipes that are, some of them are very famous, and the people that invented those recipes are literally giving them to me, and some of them are coming here to show me exactly how they're done. So I'm certain to have exactly the way it's done back home in Buffalo and 
uh, places like Michigan. So I'm really going to have, uh, I'm excited about it, but right now is not the time yeah. to open anything. <laughs> that is the <laughs> so truth. I'm, I'm waiting. Um, I keep looking at property and, uh, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always looking for good realtors that'll find me a nice piece of property. I want to own the property so I can build onto it in a few years and then build my own dinner nightclub. Well, that's something we're going to look forward to. I want to be on the first night's reservations because I can almost smell it, Frankie. <laughs> You're invited. Ah, that sounds great. Let's tell people they're invited to follow you and, again, find out about some of these virtual things and so forth. So your website and your name's pronounced Shinta, but that isn't how it's spelled. So tell them what's the right website to get all those uh, those updates. Well, it's it's the name is Shinta, but it's S C. I-N-T-A. It looks like Cinta, but it's Shinta. And I'm on Facebook every Saturday night at 6 p.m. Live show, man. We have a ball. You'll laugh. You'll feel. I, it's just me sitting at the piano, and I take requests. It's amazing. I mean, and always there's three to 500 people watching at that time. I mean, it's amazing. And by the next day... There's over 3,000 views, and by the end of the week, it's up to five or ten. Wow. It's just been a it's just been a beautiful thing, and you know I did it because people are are home. People, even if they can go out, they're a little afraid to go out because it is scary. Yeah, it's a scary thing. But I think I, hopefully with the vaccine and with what's happening, that this thing is going to go away. We can all get back to our normal lives and hug again and, you know, like we've done in the past. Hello, how are you? Absolutely. It's unbelievable now. People giving knuckles and elbows and... Yeah, absolutely. But I understand. I understand. Uh, my website is frankieshinta.com. My Instagram is at frankieshinta. Uh, and, of course, my Facebook is frankieshinta. So just look me up and I have a YouTube channel. Frankie Shinta that we just started. I upload every live show to YouTube because some people don't have Facebook or some people just don't want it. Right. So YouTube is easy. You don't have to sign up or nothing. You just go there and watch the live show yourself. But it's a lot of fun. And until I can get back on stage uh, in a full-time basis, whether it's here in Vegas, which I would love to do, have a residency somewhere. And I think it may be easier for little guys like me because I believe it's going to be hard right away for Las Vegas to bring in a J-Lo or a big, big name and have 25% of a room and pay that big dollar. You know, I'm a little dollar guy. But it's a great act, and I tell you, at home, you can get a little piece of Vegas. We always talk about that, and you can take a little home, put some pasta in, get that boiling, and get your sauce ah. ready. Watch watch Frankie. Uh, it's a great show. Frankie, thanks so much. We can't wait to talk to you again when we can talk about you performing all around town and all around the country. You'll be the first I let know, and it was a privilege talking to you. And God bless, and... Uh I hope that soon, man, we all get back to what we love to do.
What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.